All right, and because three is a crowd, I'm here today, as always, in the bunker. Bunker weather is subsiding outside. It's a beautiful day. Kelly, we are here to talk about Bob Dylan, music, songs, all kinds of stuff. How are you doing today? Um, it's, it is good. <laughs> it's a great day to be chased by maniacs through traffic. That's good. Yeah, it is good. <laughs> the eclipse is coming. Oh, and people man. are losing their minds. Traffic is already messed up. Yeah, and we are three, four days out? Four days out. It's Thursday, y'all. It's not happening till Monday and traffic's messed up. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. All right, well, this is not an Eclipse podcast. Although, who knows? Maybe we'll be live streaming from... We're not going to do any of that. Because we're not going to do... I mean, yeah, we're going to do a live stream for three minutes as the Eclipse goes on. I'm going to stand in a park with my dog and look at the sun. Boom. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, we're going to burn our retinas and it'll be great. Yes. The bunker parks are definitely the place to be. Bunker Although parks. hopefully you got, like, reservations because there's only so much of us here in the bunker. So God. just throwing that out there. Uh, this is, again, a Bob Dylan podcast. We listen to Bob Dylan. We randomly select a song. This is episode 25. We have done this consistently for... Quote, unquote, consistently. Although, <laughs> consistently since, like, episode five. So we've been doing this for 25 weeks. That's crazy. It does and, feel like a milestone. Yeah, and if you guys are listening along, thank you so much for listening. Thank yeah. you so much for subscribing. Following Thanks. us on Twitter, Tumblr, all kinds of stuff like that. It's really because of you. Not really. We would do this anyway. But we really appreciate <laughs> We really appreciate your existence. And we want you to keep interacting and do, doing cool stuff with us. Uh, we're going to do our best. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the atomic number of manganese. 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 Not magnesium, right? No. Is that a different element or is that two elements? Is that manganese and something else? I don't know if the other one's an element. Maybe it's manganese and sodium. Magnesium. Mayonnaise. (laughs) Sweet. This week we listened to I Dreamed, I Saw, St. Augustine off of 1967's John Wesley Harding. I dreamed, I saw... St. Augustine Alive as you or me Tearing through These quarters in The utmost misery With a blanket Underneath his arm And a coat of solid gold Searching for the very souls whom already have been sold. All right, Kelly, before we get into the context of the song and dive deep into what we're going to dive deep into today, um, we listened to a couple versions. We listened to the original version off of, uh, like I said before, 1967's John Wesley Harding, which we had a song last week from John Wesley Harding as well, Dear Landlord, which you can check out at our website or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, how are you listening to us? I don't know. <laughs> we also listened to uh, a version from a 2000 show. That was the most recent, quote unquote, um, even though it's 17 years ago at this point. Um, we also yeah. listened to, oh, I don't know if it was a rehearsal or a warm up or an actual part of the live show. Who can tell uh, from the bootleg that I love, Plymouth Rock, uh, which was from, Nov- I think, November 11th. Uh, 1975, um, the Rolling Thunder Review, and that was in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And then we also listened to the fairly famous Isle of Wight show that took place in 1969, which you can find a couple songs on self-portrait, but not this one. So, Kelly, before we even get into the songs, we've listened to all, all of those versions that I presented. How did you feel? What was your favorite, or how did you feel about the song in general? The song's good. I mean, harmonica, Bob, hello, it's back. Right off the bat, yeah. 
Well, maybe not back. If we're talking chronologically, I have no concept of anything Bob Dylan does. True. But uh, the duo. Wait for the timeline, everybody. The timeline's oh, yeah, coming. That's right. Yeah, I've been working on it. A little interactive so. timeline. Uh-huh. That's going to be helpful for me. Yes. And, I, and maybe uh, other people follow it along. Yeah. You never know. The duet with Joan Baez was cute. It was like a Spanishy kind of guitar. Yeah. It. Uh, so the the one was labeled Bootleg Volume Ten, another self portrait. Yeah. So, so I don't know which one you just said in reference to that. Oh uh, yeah. So that's um, it's not actually, you know, self portrait. We've done a few songs right. from self portrait. These were kind of the outtakes to it. Okay. But this is not an outtake to it. This is from oh. his first show back, if you will, after um, the motorcycle crash and everything. So he hadn't done a show in three years. So his 66 tour that we watched on No Direction Home when he burned out in England, right, right. came home, uh, and then he went to the basement, did that, and then he recorded John Wesley Harding, and, and then he went, and all of them, he recorded that, he recorded Nashville Skyline, and then he got induced for, I mean, there was like 250,000 people there on the Isle of Wight, they like rented the entire island, Whoa. which is right off of England, and it was, I mean, it was one of the biggest shows at the time, by far, it was his return. And this was what he sounded like. Oh. And it's the band playing with him. So a lot of people chalk up the sound of that, which is kind of waltzy. A lot of people say, rightly, I think, that this is what John Wesley Harding would have sounded like if the band had just accompanied him to Nashville. You know, because they were playing together in the in the in Big Pink, mm. but it's not them on, the, on John Wesley Harding. He just got session musicians oh, okay. to do it. So this is kind of like people try to see, like, what would John Wesley Harding have sounded like with the band? Um. And that's kind of... Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting kind of to think about the songs and even Dear Landlord, what sort of tonal differences would there be? Because this is a more upbeat song. They take that down to a waltz. Dear Landlord was quite slow. Mm-hmm. Could it have turned into a faster song? Who knows? I mean, but pretty interesting. Just put who is singing this? Sounds nothing like him. Yeah, it's a couple years on from this even. So like that nasally, he gets even further. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. I mean, like we haven't hit that era yet of Dylan. Okay, you get a little bit of it in Self Portrait, depending on. But again, when you get. Uh, Woogie Boogie, which is an instrumental, how could you tell? So, Fair. Yeah, and even Days of 49, I think he sings that. That song gets praised because it's sung quite differently than the others. I like his voice there, but he's definitely kind of opening himself up. A lot of people think he really enjoyed playing that song, unlike some of the other songs on there that he is not having a great time doing. So his nasal inflection is... So he just kind of doesn't care. Getting... Yeah. <laughs> However, if you listen to Nashville Skyline and even some of New Morning, 69 and 70 he's got that nasally especially nashville skyline that's going to be crazy nasal so we'll which is great it's a another masterpiece it's a great record Hmm. but it's definitely a very different type of bob dylan sound and a lot of people too like a lot of friends who heard him you know after he went to new york and kind of did that a lot of friends back in minnesota felt that that singing voice that he gets to that crooning voice was more on point to what he sounded like in like 1959, 1960, 1961 before he went to New York. So a lot of people like Bonnie Beecher, I think is quoted as saying like, that's my, that's my old Bob. Like I'm like hearing that I felt more connected to this Bob right now, Hmm. you know, 10 years later than I did to anything before. So kind of interesting how we can change it on the, on the whim. Yeah. The voice was definitely the most startling, but the guitar has like a fun, lazy sound to it. The piano is good. And, uh, well, that's the band. The organ's so, nice. You yeah, love organ. you love that stuff. I mean, you always compliment yeah. the organ and the guitar. That's pretty great because it's Robbie and Garth. Well, they do a damn good job. They but do a damn good job. points for no harmonica on that version. Yeah, yeah. And then the New Haven 1990. 1990. Yahoo. Woo. Lots of, yeah, it was definitely a field recording. So woo. So that was a hard one. Bob, woo. Yahoo. Uh, this one, no, no harmonica, so mm-hmm. not a fan. And uh, it was a little boring. Too slow. Too slow. Five plus, five plus minutes. We took a nice three-minute or 
ruined it. I made it made it long. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so in terms of uh, the context of the song, so we're going to be talking a lot about John Wesley Harding itself. This was recorded in the first John Wesley Harding sessions. Um, this was um, as Dear Landlord was the last session. So this is one of the earlier songs. This song was recorded on October 17th, 1967. So we're almost exactly 50 years from that recording, which oh, is pretty wow. crazy. Yep. Um, this is another one to remember that Bob Dylan wrote the lyrics before he did the music. So again, that's not something Bob Dylan does a lot. And we talked about that a little bit with Dear Landlord. Um, Jimi Hendrix. You have heard of Jimi Hendrix? Mm-hmm. Semi-famous guitar player. I, I mean, he's... They talk about him on uh, Battlestar Galactica or something. No. Yeah. No, maybe not. He might have been on some VH1 special. Who knows? Yeah. But Jimi Hendrix, this guy, apparently, uh, he was he was intended to cover a song at one point, and he was going to cover this one. Instead of All Along the Watchtower? Well, he thought that this song was too personal, so he chose a little oh. ditty, All Along the Watchtower. <laughs> so it's Good kind of funny ditty. to think if he took this, if he took All Along the Watchtower, again, a three-verse song, mm-hmm. and he, he souped this one up, Battlestar Galactica would be a very different show. <laughs> I just want to say that. I mean, that doesn't denigrate All Along the Watchtower. Right. But if... I dreamed I saw St. Augustine had a fucking rip-roaring Hendrix track to it. Mm. Be crazy. Hendrix heard Dylan and realized that if a voice has character, then it really doesn't matter if it's a conventional quote-unquote good voice or not. You know, if you sound like yourself and you sound like you mean it, then you can sing rock and roll. All right, so before we get into um, St. Augustine, all the St. Augustines, I want to draw attention to a little song called I Dreamed I Saw Joe Hill last night. Joe Hill was a union organizer, uh, part of the Industrial Workers of the World, the IWW, the Wobblies. And he was uh, was sentenced to death for a crime that he more than likely did not commit. Two people were shot. He was shot by someone else over a woman. And he showed up at at a doctor's office and just basically refused to like answer any questions and Refused to do anything during the trial. A lot of people, it became an international sensation. Woodrow Wilson, Helen Keller that we know. Um, Sweden, all of Sweden. The country of. The the country of tried to get him out, you know, tried to basically, yeah, and it never happened. Some people today feel like he was kept in as a political prisoner um, for his songwriting. In a 2011 biography, the author, William Adler, concluded that Hill was probably innocent of murder, but also suggested that Hill came to see himself as worth more to the labor movement at the time as a dead martyr than he was alive. And that understanding may have influenced his his decisions not to testify at the trial and subsequently to spurn all chances of a pardon. So he didn't help himself. Didn't help himself. Mm -hmm. And again, that kind of brings the martyrdom that he's conflating here. And just prior to his execution, Hill uh, wrote to Big Bill Haywood, who's a famous IWW organizer, and said, Goodbye, Bill. I die like a true blood rebel. Don't waste any time mourning. Organize, which has kind of become a saying in the, you know, during that era. Um, And then, could you arrange to have my body hauled to the state line to be buried? I don't want to be found dead in Utah. (laughs) And then a tribute poem written in 1930, so about 15 years later, by Alfred Hayes, was titled, I Dreamed I Saw Joe Hill Last Night, later put the music, and it begins with the line, I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night, alive as you are me. And a lot of people feel, I mean, in the songs basically saying, as long as, as long, Joe Hill will never die while there are men who are being forced to strike for better wages. I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead I never die 
And so that kind of keeps the martyrdom alive. So I bring that up only because obviously there's an allusion right off the bat that first to that song. But then nothing about that song has anything to do with, with Joe Hill. Nothing of that song has anything to do, as we'll get into, about St. Augustine. So what is this song about? Now, we're going to get into that in a moment, but I thought it was interesting to bring up um, before we even we even get there. So, Kelly, let's dig into it a little bit. So this week, we were going to look at St. Augustine of Hippo, and we're going to look at St. Augustine of Florida. Let's start with St. Augustine of Florida. Oh, Oh, shall we? Should we? I guess. Yeah, why not? Tell me everything I need to know. Everything. So St. Augustine, right off the bat, is the longest continuously occupied city that was founded by Europeans uh, in America. So the oldest. Yeah. The oldest one. St. Augustine, Florida. Can you St. believe St. Florida. I can believe it. It's oh not gosh. that unbelievable. That's there are places further occupied in like Mexico and Peru, places like that. Oh, yeah. But in the continental United States. continental United States. Still pretty ballsy because, yeah, they were mostly, you know, from Mexico and the Caribbean and then kind of went down. So. Well, I don't know. I mean, just thinking back in my terrible, terrible knowledge of American history, like, it's all about Massachusetts and shit, right? It's all about the Northeast. But no, my friend, what's up with the Spanish? 1513, Ponce de Leon. Yeah, Ponce. So in my, like, while I was going back to research this, I was like, I'm pretty sure when I was a kid, I went to some fountain of youth bullshit in St. Augustine. But then I was like, maybe I'm conflating some stuff. But no. No. Ponce de Leon. Spanish conquistador, first governor of Puerto Rico by Spanish crown, led the first European expedition to La Florida, which he named in 1513. He was supposedly searching for the fountain of youth, but unfortunately Mm -hmm. that has been proven that it was likely a myth. However, you can still go to the Fountain of Youth attraction in St. Augustine, Florida and drink some nasty sulfur water, which I don't know where they get from. But so. Kelly's saying that the Fountain of Youth could possibly still be a thing. It is. So it is. If you go to the Fountain of Youth theme park, you can drink water from the Fountain of Youth. Oh, nice. And by that, I mean a stinky-ass sulfur pond. Hey, I love it. So, fun. 1562. So, we're jumping around a little bit. Yeah. From the founding of 1513. We got a lot of ground to cover. 1562. Uh, a group of French Protestants led by Jean Ribault head to... La Florida. This is Spanish-occupied Florida. Mm-hmm. So since Ponce de Leon has gone to Florida, the Spanish have held it, and now these French guys are coming mm-hmm. over in 1562 mm-hmm. to take over some stuff. The French send reinforcements to that area because they're like, shit, we're in a place we're not supposed to be. We should probably send some people there just in case some stuff pops off. Send them on June 22nd of 1564 and found a place called Fort Caroline. Okay. That's like their little stronghold. The French. Revolt. F that guy. Yes. Where are they? Is that in Florida? Yes, I okay. think. Maybe. Oh, so it's like the Spanish-owned territory of this area of the what will become the USA. Yeah. It's like from Florida up to Canada. Yeah, that's fair. It's gigantic. So yeah. it's somewhere. somewhere. I didn't care enough to look. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Spain finds out, gets really pissed, and sends Pedro Menendez de Avilas to go sort some shit out. Cool. With these French guys, right? The king of Spain, Philip II, sends Menendez to hold down the key from like, from the keys all the way to Canada. Like he's like, dude, oh, Menendez, go uh, handle this little piece of land that's gigantic, yeah. three thousand miles or whatever. Okay. Wow. Uh, so Menendez leaves Cadiz, mm-hmm. Spain, that's with good. his six hundred ton flagship, on uh, headed towards La Florida, right? Mm-hmm. On August twenty eighth of fifteen sixty five, they anchor off the sor- the river of the dolphins named by the French with a thousand soldiers. August twenty eighth is also the feast day of Saint Augustine. Oh nice. Okay. So okay. that's why he names it 
St. Augustine. Augustine. Badass. Did, so feast day, I was like, what the hell's a feast day, right? Yeah, well, I was reading about that. Doesn't this, yeah. actually mean like a big meal. It's just a celebration. Like the day the saint is honored is right. on that day. So Sweet. Could the, have been anything. Could have been. Could have been wow. anything. Could have been St. Elmo's fire. Uh, they disembark. They fortify the area. When they yes. come over here. Uh, they march to Fort Caroline. Kill everybody. Because mm-hmm. yes. Ribald and his dudes. As he do. gets in his boats trying to go to attack Menendez's settlement at St. Augustine-ish area. So the, it's a pretty big swath of land in northern Florida that they're protecting specifically. Yeah. Uh, they get hit by, like, Ribault and his crew get hit by a storm off the coast, get messed up, but they people do survive. They, like, abandon ship and stuff. Menendez goes around, hunt down, <laughs> hunts down the survivors, like, bands them all together. Ribault surrenders, and he, like, kills everybody anyway. <laughs> and then the area um, by oh, the shit. Matanza River... Uh, the dunes near that area is where he slaughters, like kills, executes, executes. <laughs> that's when you officially kill someone. That's when Ex- you Dracaris. Yes, that's when you Dracaris. Okay. Uh, officially executes everybody in these dunes, and Matanza means slaughtered. Yes. So or there massacre, you go. Yeah. Right there. So appropriately named. Yeah. Uh, so over the years, like we're gonna move on from there, but that's the founding, right? That's, that's where we got the yeah, name. That's great. That's Menendez. Great. Boom. Boom. Uh, there's some fights with the Temecula natives. At the, like shit goes bad. And actually, in St. Augustine, right around that area, the oldest uh, Christian missionary is found, which they talk about in a song that's on our playlist later, which I'll try to remember. Sweet. Uh, th- again, through the years, Sir Francis Drake sacks St. Augustine in 1586. More fights between 1608 and 1611 with England. Pirates, led by Robert Searle, sack St. Augustine in nice. 1668. <laughs> the Queen Regent of Mariana. So tired of St. Augustine getting burnt to the ground every couple of years. Orders a permanent masonry fortress built, the construction of which starts in 1672 and six, ends in 1695. And that is the Castillo de San Marco, which is a big-ass fort that I have fort. totally been to like three times. Uh, that History. gets attacked, of course, of seven course. years later <laughs> by uh, Carolina Siege. So people from Carolina always nice. be messing with Leave us alone, man. <laughs> Last the siege lasts fifty eight days, but the fort remains. So instead, the British burn down Saint Augustine again because <laughs> they can't get into the fort. Sounds like a good name. Seventeen forty, it's attacked <laughs> again. This time by British General James Oglethorpe at, uh, from Georgia, but they yeah. don't can't get into the fort. No, <laughs> so I'm sure they burned down Saint Augustine in protests. Uh, and that's all I have on the history history oh. side of Saint Augustine. I know we didn't get to modern day. There's some bad shit happened. Trust me, Martin Luther King, the only time he was ever actually arrested during the civil rights movement. Was in St. Augustine. Cool, good job. Yeah, uh, I, I got photos. If you go to our, our Tumblr, I'm going to be posting photos from that era. It's crazy. It's, yeah, people, um, you know, black people going to the beach, you know, to protest, basically. A wade-in, I think they called it. And white people just attacking them, just jumping like on them. beach, yeah. yeah. so. Bad stuff. Yeah, but to which you would Florida. On brand, on brand. On as, as on brand as the Matanzas River is for massacres, that's about on brand for Florida. So. Yeah. But uh, to make this even more modern day, yeah, we me, gotta, yeah. I will travel to St. Augustine multiple times throughout my childhood. We got our fourth grade picture. It's a big picture. <laughs> right, a picture taken in front of the fort. I learned at the fort, this is me not looking up the information because this is my solid <laughs> recollection. It's made of coquina, which is a combination of like seashells nice. and mixed up dirt and shit. That's what the fortress walls are made of, but it's like extra strong somehow. Mixed up dirt. <laughs> <laughs> mixed up cells. Shit. Man, and it's a killing me. The little beds they had in there. We were walking through like the little barracks area, yeah. 
and the beds were only about three feet long. And then the tour guide was like, how do you think they slept in such tiny beds? And we were like, I don't know. They were little. <laughs> because we're in fourth grade. And what are you doing? And like, actually, soldiers to remain vigilant would sleep sitting straight up in their beds so they could be ready at any moment. I was like, I don't know if that's true. But I'm in fourth grade and I don't really care. Yeah. So there's that. Also, there's Ripley's Believe It or Not in St. Augustine. There's a place where you can get ostrich jerky. And there's a place that sells hot sauce. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> You're planning a trip. There you go. You know Hit exactly up those where to go. Fort, ostrich jerky, Ripley's, hot sauce. Uh, hot sauce. Maybe in that order. Yeah, that sounds good. And then maybe go back to the fort to enjoy your hot sauce with and jerky. Jer- oh, yeah, combo. That's, and they have a lighthouse. I know that, too. So yeah, they do. Lighthouses And they have nice. replicas of the Medici lions, which are uh, on the Lions Bridge. Which So the oh. there's oh, a no, strip. Yeah, I know. The, I saw the bridge from the overview thing picture. Yeah, the guy who christened the Lions Bridge. Uh made of replicas of those from Italy. No shit. Anyway, yeah. Fancy city. There you go. Burned down over and over. <laughs> over and over. Yeah, when do we think the next time it'll be burned? Oh, God, I don't know. Soon. They're due for a good burning. Maybe. Not that we're in a bunker, we can't burn it, but, <laughs> you know, something's going to, you know, really it's just going to be swallowed by the sea. I guess it's really kind of apropos. Yeah. Oh, I guess it was, like, during the Civil War, the Confederates held it mm. for about 14th month. But nobody was actually there. Like, nobody manned yeah. anything because no one gave a shit about Florida. Yeah, they used the Dry Tortugas prison, South Florida, I think, mm. to, um, yeah, in the Keys, I think, as a prison for Confederate soldiers after the war. Mm. But, yeah, I would assume during the war they probably were like, fuck Florida. <laughs> fuck this shit. Did you guys know there's alligators there? Yeah. We ain't got time for that. <laughs> the Everglades, like, come on, get out of here. I mean, we watched Boardwalk Empire. We saw them trying to, like, sell Florida to people. Like, no, no one wants to buy Florida. I'm not living in fucking Florida. <laughs> <laughs> you know? This is no, not, no, no. No, no, no. You're no, just a pit stop on the way to Cuba. Thanks, though. So this was named after St. Augustine of Hippo. Yeah. Happened to be on the feast day. I'm going to run over some, some St. Augustine stuff. This song, again, as we've already noted, doesn't really have a whole lot to do with St. Augustine. More than – we'll get into it. We'll, we'll figure out. We'll get to the bottom of this. But let's go over some facts about St. Augustine. We're not – we're not that well versed. I dreamed I saw Saint Augustine alive with fiery breath. I dreamed I was amongst the ones that put him out to death. Oh, so as I said, he was born. I don't know how we know this, but it's amazing. November 13th, 354, and he died on August 28th. So he has an insane influence on Western philosophy, Western religion, culture. He wrote two huge books that are still read today, City of God and Confessions, although I think he'd have to be quite the person to read all of those because they're like 13 volumes. So they're still around. He is the patron saint of brewers, printers, theologians, which is nice. That's on, that's on brand, speaking about brands, and also the patron saint of the alleviation of sore eyes. What? Yep, that's the thing. And like, as a kid... Visine sore eyes? No, just like, my eyes hurt. I'm going to wipe my eyes. And then he's the patron saint of that. Thanks, Augustine. Thanks, Augustine. <laughs> and then as a kid, he was a sinner. That's kind of the whole point of confessions. Like, the whole idea is that he was a sinner, but by God's grace, he found his way. You can, too. I'm not just some, like, deity or whatever. I'm not selling you anything. I'm not pretending anything. Like, my story is my story. And he said, grant me chastity and continence, but not yet. Let me keep fucking everybody that moves. 
but soon I want to be good. I want to be good soon. Uh, so what were his beliefs? I think that we're going to be shocked by how long ago this was. The reason why he's remembered is how how different his beliefs were from what other people were thinking at the time. But I think we're going to see a lot of like, yeah, this is pretty – like this is what we see as mainstream Christianity. So he saw the human being as a perfect unity between two substances, the soul and the body, two very distinct and real things. The soul is one – I mean I guess I believe I have a soul, right? Mm-hmm. You die, what happens? Like, you want to believe that you are an entity beyond your body. Um, St. Augustine took the view that everything in the universe was created simultaneously by God. So the Genesis seven-day thing is just a metaphor. Mm. It's not an actual seven-day thing. Um, he espoused a millenarianism. Jesus is going to come, right? He's going to come and set up a thousand-year kingdom of believers or whatever the fuck. Pre-millenarianism thinks that we are going to set it up before and then the king will come down once we set it up. That's what people believe now because we need to set in motion the things that will create the conditions for Jesus to come. Like Zion kind of Correct. Well, yeah, yeah. We love Israel because we think that the Jews need to be there so that they can be killed for Jesus to come down. Oh, shit. Yeah, so that's why we're friends. Post-millenarianism means that Jesus comes and creates the thousand-year kingdom. This dude in which is a lot better than both of those believes there's none of that shit that that's just it's a metaphor it's we create the world that we want to see so there's no jesus coming on down to like hang out with us and be our friend or our conqueror so that was a little that was obviously different than what people thought he however did believe in the virgin mary she was quote conceived as a virgin gave birth as a virgin and stayed a virgin forever so a little bit off on that guy. Okay. Augustine took the view that if a literal interpretation contradicts science. Science wins. Science wins. The biblical version is taken metaphorically. Yeah. yeah which is nice. Yeah. He also is um, original sin. He's original sin guy. You know, this idea that we all, man has fallen because we ate from the tree of knowledge and all that jazz. You know, he also believed not in predestination, but of double predestination what? in that. Which is kind of insane to me. I thought predestination is, you know, either God has chosen you from birth if you're going to hell or you're going to be saved or whatever. But then he also, but in double predestination, gets the right to reserve judgment and then send you to hell anyway or not. So why is it double predestination and not just free will? I'm not going to get into that because that's when free will gets real crazy because he believes that free will doesn't actually exist. You have to find God to find a center of balance basically to then have free will but as a sinner you don't actually possess free will oh he also loves infant baptisms you got to get that kid baptized because if <laughs> if not it's going to hell uh like right away if if god comes and your baby's not baptized no 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 that baby doesn't get to go uh and then the just war theory which is famous and still used today what's just war going to war for purposes um he believed that christians should be pacifist as a personal philosophical stance but in the in the face of a grave threat um, that can only be stopped by violence, it's okay to fight. So that's that's him. He says that the evil of sexual immorality is not in the sexual act itself, but rather in the emotions that typically accompany it. So he's fine with just fucking. <laughs> not really. That's totally wrong. He is not. For, he's not for that. Uh, he does uh, not believe that Adam. He does. No, I'm sorry. He does believe that Adam is as guilty as Eve, which is different than before because Eve was always blamed for eating the apple. It's women who fucked everything over. He oh. believes that Adam's just as guilty. Good. And Augustine uh, does praise women for their role in society and the church, which is different. And then the major thing is the schism between the East and the West. Religion uh, comes over a word called philoki, um, which is 
the either the overplaying or the downplaying of the father part or the son part of the father, son, and the Holy Ghost. So some people think that by overstating Jesus, you're understating God. And that's basically the schism between the like Eastern Orthodox religion and the Western, you know, the Catholic Church. And then you've got, you know, the, like the Roman Catholic Church. And then you've got like in Greece and Russia. The they have the, yeah, yeah, so yeah, okay. that's kind of their shit. And then, of course, City of God is the idea that there's an earthly city and there's a godly city. And we live on earth, but we should prepare for the god city. Uh, it was written right after Rome fell because people thought that Christians were to blame for Rome falling. Um, and he was assuring them that Rome was better because Christians were there. So the Visigoths attacking was just a thing. Um, he also was against slavery, which is on brand to this podcast as of today uh, in his book, City of God. And then in Confessions, it's considered one of the first autobiographies. And like I said, he you know, was somebody who received God's grace. And so you can too, in theory. So, yeah, kind of an so interesting. Can so can you. I'm St. Augustine and God's grace just for you. <laughs> Call now. <laughs> And he was like the most prolific writer that we have records of. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like as far as the Catholic. Religion. That's the thing. We know so much about this person. Yeah. And he, he was an advocate of that too in his lifetime to save all the, not only these books, but just all books in general and sort of instilled that idea of, of saving all of it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So that is, um, that's St. Augustine. Augustine. Yeah. That's all the St. Augustine. His feast day is August because St. Augustine maybe. Yeah. All right. So let's go on to the song itself. Um, we talked a little bit about it. I love, I love the song. I loved spending the week with the song. Um, I love having John Wesley Harding twice in a row. That was I think that's been pretty fun. You said last week that you enjoyed Dear Landlord for being so sort of laconic and like. Did you feel that way this time? I yeah. Mean, it's a, not. It's a faster song, but it's still kind of the same mm-hmm. kind of droll. You know, Bob Dylan has a signature sound on this record. I had the same was kind of nice? droll week. Yeah, I know. So, so, <laughs> yeah, you nice. were busy the same way, so so it was nice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely way more harmonica than before. Which, yes. Which is great, yeah. Right away I noticed that too. I'm like, yes, we got this. Oh, we're going. Yes. Uh, I think it's a beautifully sung song too. I think his voice is so good. I love singing along to this song. Well, I think that's why it's listening so to the three versions and having his voice be so radically different on that one recording, I was like, this is, mm-mm. I like the, you were doing nice. Nice, nice Bob voice. What just happened? Yeah, that's fair. No, it's it's wonderful. Um, yeah, this is one of the only songs from John Wesley Harding that actually made it to the live arena. So, like the ones I chose, weren't the only ones. So I don't I don't think I saw how many times he has played it. Should have looked that up for a podcast about Bob Dylan. Didn't do it. However, definitely way more than Dear Landlord that kind of just shows up. And there's so much of John Wesley Harding that never ever got played live. So in terms of the song itself, I mean, any thoughts on it or? Yeah, I, we're not going to dive deep in the way we did with the landlord, but any anything stand out in the song itself? Or well, from what I can tell, because it is not an accurate description of Saint Augustine. Yeah, uh, it's just or Joe Hill. I mean, it's kind of an amalgam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it sounds like he he may have, in fact, actually had a dream. Sure, but he's just feeling guilty about something. Yeah, and that's that's it. This is like the manifestation of his guilt over what I don't know. Yeah, Peter Wench has a great um, article that I'll link in our show notes uh, from the magazine No Depression. That's like a roots music magazine, and his whole the, his whole premise is that is ba- basically that that he had a dream about Saint Augustine. Um, he doesn't go this far, but I kind of see it as like he had a dream about Saint Augustine while falling asleep listening to a recording of I Dream Last Night. I saw Joe Hill. It's oh, like nice, this amalgam yeah. of like, and then you wake up, you're like what did I just do? Like what, what's going on right now? Um, so yeah, I think a lot of people get really hung up on like 
the actuality of the song. But I think you're right. It's guilt. I mean, the whole thing centered around he's part of a jury, which gets us back to that, you know, courtroom sort of thing that we did in Dear Landlord. And I sort of talked about a little bit. He is like on a jury and he's saying not in a literal jury, but like I've judged somebody and I regret that judgment. Mm. A lot of people put a lot of weight on like, you know, the golden shroud or whatever that St. Augustine wears and people, I don't know, it's with all religious stuff, a lot of people like to put a lot of baggage on that, which is like men's materialism and like just being weighed down and all this kind of stuff. At the end of the day, instead of like getting deep into every single lyrical point, I think that it's best to, um, it's best to remember that Bob Dylan writes fiction. This song is, is fiction. It's like a fiction story that takes two disparate ideas, molds them together, and then mystifies you or befuddles you or bores you or pushes you or doesn't push you. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's whatever you want. So when I when I hear it, I think of St. Augustine. But as we went over this, I don't know much about St. Augustine. So I'm not going to pretend that I know everything about his, you know, everything that he's ever said and pretend that I know what the song is about. All right, so let's move on to our recommendations for the week. So we we enjoyed I Dreamed I Saw St. Augustine. Maybe we're going to get a three for three and get Ooh, another, another John Wesley uh, Harding. We'll cool. see. Um, otherwise, Kelly, what were you, in addition to this and our playlist, what were you doing this week? Uh, I didn't have a lot of time to listen to anything, but I somehow remembered that Dope Lemon is a person. So I went back and listened to his records again. So I recommend... Probably the 2016 album. Um, well, no. I'd rather have Houndstooth, honestly. So the 2017 EP, uh, Houndstooth, that's my recommendation. It's good. It's, uh, I guess you could, you could, India is so, like, huge. It's, like, indie electric, but I also, know, like, yeah. I, I, uh, sometimes it's... When I rate my music, I have so many that I just categorize as indie. And yeah. it's, like, that is my biggest beyond, like, just punk, which is another just generic. Right. Like, Oh, that doesn't really describe it. So yeah, it's an indie with like a very heavy electric yeah. push, electronic push. Indie, yeah, isn't that a thing? Indie electronic or something? Yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> there you go. Dope yeah. Lemon, Houndstooth. Sweet. I want to recommend a couple of things. So I originally put uh, the Mountain Goats Tallahassee on here. I ended up not re-listening to it this week because things just got really crazy. But it sort of set off the whole concept of the playlist. So if you go back in time and go to our show notes, you can see our playlist. Uh, I treat it as like a road trip, basically through up from Tampa, up to Tallahassee, across to Jacksonville, down to St. Augustine, and then inexplicably, we drive down to Miami. So <laughs> uh, so I basically treat that, and then See America Right is a really great song off of that record. Yeah. Really awesome, and I think really sets a great tone for like starting a fucking road trip. Uh, another band I want to just tout is a band that's long defunct, a band called Page 99 out of Sterling, Virginia. What's up, Virginia? Uh, document number seven reissue from 2001 i got to see them before they broke up which would have been a little bit after that 
they are fucking monsters. They're so amazing. And they have so many different styles of music. Like on Document 7, it's kind of like got some crazy sludge um, in like the first and last track, which are like 11 minutes long and seven minutes long. And then in the middle are like those two minute, one minute blistering, like screamo, crazy ass vocals. And yeah, Document, you know, from Document 7 to Document 8 to Document 12. All of those are classics and sound very different. So if you're into that type of music, I would recommend Page 99. If you have not heard them, you can spell Page 99 straight through. No spaces or even just type out PG.99. I think those are the two fastest ways to find them on Spotify. You were not into that. That's no. not, that was not your bad. And then I'm going to recommend something for next week, which I have not heard yet. On purpose, because there wasn't enough time before we started recording. Brand new just dropped science fiction. A new record out of fucking nowhere today literally just like three hours before we were set to record so i've not listened to it yet we're gonna talk brand new next week we'll leave it out right now so if you like brand new or just forgot that they were a band there you go and then finally something we're gonna get into more on mixed up confusion but we're gonna talk about um current events in america um so i recommend <laughs> it back in uh, episode 15 dylan and the dead Sorry to bring up Dylan and the Dead, everybody. I know it's a touchy subject, but I brought up a book called The Destructive War, a book about, um, I think uh, the tagline is um, Stonewall Jackson, William Tecumseh Sherman, and the Americans. And it looks at sort of how war was made, how people saw the war, and what happened after the war. We are very much still living, unfortunately, what's happening after the war. So we're going to talk about that more on Mixed Up Confusion next week. Um, so, so join us for that. Otherwise, we are a real podcast. We love you. We want to hear from you. We miss you. We you did. used to call. <laughs> you used to call. You never called. You never call anymore. You can't call us. That's not a thing <laughs> yet. But you can find us at Twitter, SOTW Pod. Um, you can find us on Tumblr. You can find us on SoundCloud at SOTW Pod. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on everything. We are alive. We are people. We are in the bunker. We are out of the bunker. Uh, and we are going to be here next week. All right, so one out of 517. Kelly, what do you think we got today? 243. 243, 97. 243 is, would have been our next full record. Uh, It's called At Budokan, so it's a live record from 1979. Uh, Not a very good one, so I'm kind of glad we didn't do that. The Budokan is a live? Budokan is in Japan. Yeah, so we did a live show there with... Music and instruments Weird. and singing. Cool. So, yeah, it's not bad, but it's not that great. Uh, and we had 97. So 97. 97 is another full album. It is. Uh, it's another bootleg series. It's a bootleg series, volume five, the Rolling Thunder Review. So you like that song? The song with Joan Baez singing on that? Yeah, that's fine. That's the Rolling Thunder Review. So that okay. was Bob Dylan going out in 1975, cobbling together just a bunch of musicians, artists, poets, all this kind of stuff. They would ramble down to a to the next town over, not tell anybody they were there, post up, sell tickets right then and there, and just kind of have like a festival atmosphere for a couple of hours. Oh, cool. Yeah, really cool. Really cool idea. Totally sold it. And not only that, but this is far and away my favorite live Bob Dylan um, it's pretty much downhill from from here. So Budokan <laughs> is kind of funny because it's only four years later, but it's such a different Bob Dylan. Hmm. Um, so this one, this is a two-disker. Um, this is going to give us actually a lot of songs. Um, the versions that he does are pretty radically different than the originals, but they're also fantastic. So we're really going to get a lot of songs that you've never heard before, 
but you should have heard. And we're going to get the obvious ones. You're going to get the all along the watchtowers. You're going to get the, you know, um, knocking on heaven's door, but really interesting versions of them. You're also going to get songs that I really love, like ISIS, um, not the terrorist organization, but the goddess, the goddess, um, one of my favorite songs. Hmm. And his version of it is so rollicking and fucking fast. It's so good. So we're going to be listening to that next week. Uh, the bootleg series volume five. I'm excited. This shit's really good. I'm stoked. Kelly, are you stoked? I'm scared. I don't think you should be scared. Okay. So we're going to... I'm not scared anymore. Good. Oh, he also recorded the uh, Ronaldo and Clara, the... The movie? The movie, that four-hour monstrosity of a movie, during this. Nice. So this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh, we, that's also on brand. Look at us doing stuff. Okay. We will see you next week for uh, Sign on the Window. For Daniel. <laughs> for Kelly. <laughs> Me. See you later. Goodbye. And join us for Mix Up Confusion, did where we talk about we some real stuff. Podcast? I did. We set out that night for the cold in the north. I gave him my blanket and it gave me his word. I said, Where we going? He said, We'll be back by the fourth. I said, That's the best news that I've ever heard.